Good morning. Welcome to Central Baptist Church this morning. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship. In the midst of all this snow out there, I'm surprised you made it in. Um, I hope you got your bread and your milk and your eggs and all that stuff at the store um, this weekend. So, But we are glad that you're here for worship this morning. Um, and we want you to know that your presence is a blessing to all of us here this morning. You'll find friendship pads in the pews beside you, and we'd invite you to take those out and to fill that out with any information that you'd like to provide. Pass that down the row so that we can get to know each other a little better this morning and maybe even greet each other by name during passing of the peace a little bit later in our worship. Uh, this past week, we had writer's workshop again, and I'm always blessed and astounded at the amazing creations that people bring into writer's workshop whenever we share together. And you know, it really takes a lot of guts to share something that you have written, something that you've poured your heart and your soul in, and to expose that part of yourself is a really difficult thing to do. And so whenever we come together and we share um, these pieces of writing, I am always just thrilled and honored that folks would um, would pour themselves out like that and uh, and do that. We heard a beautiful story this week um, that we all just agreed we had to hear the ending of, and so we listened longer, and we heard a beautiful and just powerful poems this week as well, and uh, it was it was wonderful to get to hear these things. And so today, as we think about the baptism of Jesus and we think about God's inbreaking into that moment to point out the beauty of the beloved child of God that is there at that place, I think, too, we get these instances and these glimpses into the soul whenever we're able to expose that part of our truest self then also hopefully we can hear those words of God saying, my beloved child. And this morning, as we gather together as the people of God, we can hear again God say to each of us here and to those beyond these walls as well, my beloved child, as we see again that we are created in the beautiful and loving image of God together. So let's worship this morning.
Good morning. Please stand as you are able for our call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The Lord sits enthroned over the earth and all our problems. The Lord is enthroned as our true king. The Lord gives strength to God's people. The Lord blesses God's people with peace. Let us pray. O oh God, we have come together in prayer, knowing that you are present in our midst. We wish to know you better and worship you with joy. We offer ourselves to be your servants and to be good neighbors to one another. We try to trust in you with all our heart. We praise you for all you have done for us. We are happy that we are together in this worship service. We believe in the power of prayer and its ability to call everyone to fullness of life. Please fill us with your love. We belong to you today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Now, please pass the peace of Christ to those around you.
the Hebrew Scripture. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. Bring your offspring. I will bring your offspring up from the east. And from the west, I will gather you. And I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. And now please stand as you're able for the gospel lesson. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had also been baptized and he was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. For the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.
Dear God, we take great comfort in knowing that we can draw close to you and that we don't have to bring our facades and the fake faces and the fake words, that we can bring our sinfulness, our frailties, our fears, our shame, our insecurity, our addictions, the fears, the horrors of our life, and lay them comfortably at your presence. I thank you for that, dear God, this morning, and I thank you that you've offered that up so freely that you accept us just as we are to draw in close to who you are. And I pray, God, that what we do in this worship today will draw us even closer to you and perhaps even start the process of helping others to realize that they can be who they are in your presence as well. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Well, that was certainly worth getting out on a cold, wet, gray day. Would you agree? Thank you. The following is a quote from a celebrated and world-famous Christian author who spent the bulk of his adult life in our commonwealth here in the state of Kentucky. He wrote, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. And I had not laid any treasure for myself in heaven. They were all on earth. I wanted to be a writer, a poet, a critic, a professor. I wanted to enjoy all kinds of pleasures of the intellect and the senses in order to have these pleasures. I did not hesitate to place myself in situations which I knew would end in spiritual disaster. Although generally I was so blinded by my own appetites that I never even clearly considered this fact until it was too late and the damage was done. I'll let you try and guess who. You may have already figured it out. We dropped a hint for those paying attention already in this service. But more on that later. For it's a challenge... For Donna and I at home to find something we both want to watch in the evening on television. Trying to find that sweet spot between HDTV and action adventures. I know it's surprising. I can't believe Donna likes all that fighting and violence. But sometimes we hit on something we both seem to enjoy, and usually it's a period piece, like Downton Abbey or something else that comes across the pond. You know, an English-speaking show that you have to have the English subtitles on in order to understand what they're saying. And we found one of those on Amazon Prime just recently that we like, called Vanity Fair. A mid-19th century work that has had many renditions. This one more recently in 2018 that tells the story of a poor girl from poverty who tries to climb up the social ladder in Victorian England. And the narrator for the early part in the introduction is none other than Michael Palin, us old-timers remember him on Monty Python, who says in front of the carousel before every episode, Welcome to Vanity Fair, where everyone is striving after what is not worth having. Welcome to Vanity Fair, where everyone is striving after what is not worth having. Words perhaps as true today as it was 200 years ago and maybe throughout most of history, striving for things that aren't worth having. Have you thought of the transplanted Kentuckian yet? If you have, keep it to yourself. Don't give it away yet. But here's another quote from him. I am grateful that I got at least some religion at an age when I badly needed it, it was the year since I had been inside a church for any other purpose 
than to just look at the stained glass windows or the Gothic vaulting. However, it was practically useless. What is the good of religion without personal spiritual direction? Why do we come into this space? Why do we enter together as a community of faith? Allowing ourselves this practice of worship to sing songs, to hear prayers, to seek a word from the Lord. What is the intention within our spiritual direction, our purpose, our hope? What are we striving for? Is it anything worth having? A guide, some wisdom, comfort, a place to be challenged, a place to belong, a place to experience compassion, acceptance, kindness? What kind of treasures are we storing up into heaven? Did you notice in these reassuring words from Isaiah in the 43rd chapter, a period of history that was difficult for the Israelites after having their community destroyed and being exiled into a new kind of exodus experience, now finding a chance to return back home, a chance to rebuild their lives and their nations together. And God offers some powerful words. God says, I created you, I formed you, I am redeeming you. This idea of creation, the same word used, I have created you, the word we find in the Hebrew Scriptures at the very first in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This word formed, again found earlier in the Hebrew Scriptures in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, when God took and shaped the human form out of the dust of the earth. That God has created, God has formed, and God redeems. For those of us who confess Christ, we recognize this work not merely to mean to be freed from a debt or to have been in slavery and then to find our freedom after slavery, but indeed a participation that God in Christ is with us still. When I think of the baptism of our Lord Jesus, it reminds me that this miracle of God in human flesh did not merely come to skip across the highlights of the earth, but truly immersed God's own self in Christ to our human experience. That Christ entered into these waters, fully surrounding himself with the creation and with the trials and troubles of life. That we, like those ancient Israelites, would have to pass through. As they pass through the Red Sea, escaping slavery and into the new life that God has promised and forming in them. Into the wilderness, they moved through the water. And then when it was finally time for them to establish themselves truly as a new community, they passed through across the Jordan River, the very place where John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, a reminder of their national identity to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. A new action that God in Christ was doing 
that God in Christ would invite the whole world to join. That we will pass through. We will experience water. We will experience floods. And yes, we will experience fire. But the fire and difficulties of life will be endured. Because Christ is with us. Christ has joined with us. Christ has immersed God's own loving self in the midst of our lives. That we have joined together in a grand and miraculous occurrence of God's. A deep participation into our life, our dilemmas, our troubles, our perplexities. Hmm. Listen to another spiritual guide, this time Annie Dillard, who says, On the whole, I do not find Christians outside of the catacombs sufficiently sensible of conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets. Mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash at us in our pews for the sleeping God may awake someday and take offense or the waking God may draw us out to where we could never return. The presence of the holy here among us. Listen. We are not meant to be spiritual lone wolves. Just ourselves and our private God, or usually a God of our own making. The entire Christian enterprise calls us into communities. Calls us to be connected to God in love and connected to each other with the world that God also loves. That we are called into a deep fellowship to be immersed into compassion and grace and goodness and truth. I was thinking the other day about what's the one thing I would hope that we, we could always say about ourselves as Central Baptist Church. What's something that is fantastic to hear and to know and to experience? Now, oftentimes I hear, you guys are really friendly, and indeed we are friendly. But there's something beyond just mere friendship that we experience. And, and I think what it really draws me and inspires me and enlivens me about this congregation is its kindness. It's a kind place. It's a place where we experience this incredible kindness. And in a world that's always fighting each other, seems to be at odds with one another, seems to have a great deal of violence that's not entertaining, and a lot of fighting that does nothing but tear apart and doesn't lift up. Aren't you thankful? Thankful to be a part of a kind community. Not because we're particularly nice people, I don't think. 
but because we fill into this life-giving story of God in human flesh, a Christ of compassion and service and truth. So in hearing this passage from Isaiah, we hear about these compass points, places for direction, places that we can steer our lives in order to gain some understanding of intentional plan and direction for how to move forward. And we are offered the east and the west, the north and the south as the places that we may hear from and listen to and aspire toward in the direction of our life. Which prompted the question for me of what is my east or my west or my north or my south? You may have different interpretations. Here's what I thought of. I first thought of my east as that place where there is spiritual wisdom and instruction. Some time long ago, when cemeteries were being laid out, the plan was always to make sure your feet face the east. Now, I had to think about this in the early service. I pointed in the wrong direction, but I think it's kind of in that direction over there because when Jesus comes back, he will come back from Jerusalem, which is to our east, and when you rise up from the grave, you don't want to have your back to Jesus. Kind of messes up all you folks that were cremated or planned to be cremated and all those kind of people like that. But, you know, I, I would hope that if that occurs, we could at least go, oh, he's over there. But the East has always been thought of, especially for those in Western civilization, as a place of instruction, of wisdom. And that there are sacred texts that have been around for thousands of years that have guided and helped people along life's path. And that we listen to those texts, we read those texts, we pay attention and heed those texts. We recognize sometimes they comfort us, sometimes they challenge us, sometimes they confuse us, sometimes they confound us. But they are always there. Always hoping to give us an anchor in this swirling thing we call life. And this stuff is powerful. It's potent. It's the TNT that Annie Dillard spoke of. In its wrong hands, biblical instruction can be used oppressively and violently and has been and continues to be used in less than life-giving ways. But in a careful way, this TNT can blow away the obstructions of, of prejudice and hatred and hopelessness that also can quickly plague us. And so scripture must be handled well and carefully and above all, compassionately. Infused in the life-giving words of our Lord Jesus. Well, how about the West? What does the West say to us? Well, you can hear already. I watched a little bit of television in my time. And every time I think of the West, I think of Westerns. Go West, the new frontier, the place where we are moving, the place that calls us and beckons us, the place on the far horizon, the place where our life is headed. 
the way in which we watch the path of the sun moving its way across the west, calling us into the future, calling us through each day and into the next day, and the promised return of the sun coming again in this direction that is allowing us to, to move forward. Perhaps at the beginning of every new year, you ask yourself questions about where am I going and where, does my life, where is my life taking me? It's a good question. It's a good question to ask at the beginning of a new year. It's a good question to ask, perhaps during the quarter. But for spiritually sensitive people, it's a question we can ask every single week. Where is God calling me? Where is God leading me? And we are able to recalibrate our lives according to this new calling we hear in Christ before God. What is your north? For me... I thought about what I find to be true or how open I am to those things that are true. We often hear of the North Star that plays somewhere out in the distant heavens that has guided folks on ships and slaves seeking freedom to orient them in the wilderness to the direction where they must travel. But I also think of all the other stars. Millions Billions, trillions of these fixed lights in the heavens, far beyond our hard awareness of them, still there, out there, way out there, shining even in the darkness, shining even when we can't perceive them, shining beyond the gray skies, shining forth with a steady presence through millions of years. That this God that we invite through worship is a God greater than it all. And our own understanding of the stars is so absurd to say a star is above us or below us or to our left and to our right. How selfish. These heavenly bodies are far bigger and in terms of modern cosmology, have nothing to do with our orientation to their permanency. They're not above us, they're beyond us, as is God. And that there is a God that has this infinite character, infinite love, infinite mercy, infinite potential and power. And that this God speaks in truth far beyond what I can easily interpret on a day-to-day -day basis, so I must spend a lifetime opening my heart, my mind, my being to this great constancy of love that is there. Finally, the South. The South causes me to ask who are around me, who share this planet with me, especially even those I might prejudge as not being worthy of my attention. You may not be aware of this in your life experience, but I am. Human beings can be really frustrating. They can do stuff that causes me to question what they do and why they do things. And it, they, they just are a challenge, these human people. And as a person seeking to be reformed and redeemed in Christ, I am asked of the question, how can I love everyone unconditionally? 
doesn't mean I have to agree with everything they do. doesn't mean I can allow them to treat me as a doormat. doesn't mean I can allow them to push their own egos around. But certainly, at the root of my experience in the human community, can I enter into the unconditional love of God? A love that has accepted me even when I was unworthy of being loved. A love that has looked past some of my mistakes, my errors, my shortcomings. A love that has embraced me when perhaps no one else wanted to. And that I am invited to be a part of this love parade, this pronouncement of shining glory. Have you thought of our Christian author yet? Let me offer a couple more quotes, classic from him. When he writes, love is our true destiny. We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with one another. Or, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. Also, love seeks only one thing, the good of the one loved. It leaves all other secondary effects to take care of themselves. Love, therefore, is its own reward. Finally, what can we gain by sailing to the moon if we are not able to cross the abyss that separates us from ourselves? This is the most important voyage of all discovery, and without it, all the rest are not only useless, but disastrous. You got it yet? Well, if you're not there, next time you're in Louisville, Kentucky, visit a historical marker you'll find on Muhammad Ali and Broadway. And there, on that spot, is commemorated a spiritual experience, deeply spiritual experience, that if you had observed it on that very day, it would have looked like just any other ordinary day. But there, on that spot, on March 18, 1958, this author, poet, social critic, spiritual author was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that he loved all these people sharing that cityscape street with him. He said he found them walking around shining like the sun. This experience written in the book, Congestures of a Guilty Bystander, was by none other than Trappist monk Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton. After two decades of devoting his life as a monk at the Abbey of Gethsemane, was finding himself on the corner of a street in the largest city in Kentucky. And he had a spiritual experience that overwhelmed his life with an incredible love for all of humanity. Changed his life. At that moment. At that moment of dedication. At that moment of his life's journey. Hmm. God has created you. God has formed you. God is redeeming you. And the question for us in the new year is how receptive might we be to God's loving intervention?
we close our service today with a hymn of faith. A love that will not let me go. I appreciate your presence here this morning on a day that a lot of folks thought, well, it's just going to be too yucky to get out. And there's a few folks that are ill and we need to pray for them and remember them. But I am deeply appreciative of this time to share together this great story of love. Let us stand and respond to it as we stand and sing hymn 833. Well, stay warm, stay safe. I'm not sure if that wetness is... The, the forecast was snow at 10 and then maybe snow at 10, but I'm guessing it's a little bit cold out there in wet roads, so be careful both moving to your car and then traveling home. But indeed, it's been wonderful to have been together in the house of the Lord. Two quick announcements. Uh, first, you'll notice that there is a community Martin Luther King Jr. service next Sunday evening at Central Christian Church downtown on Short Street. And you'll remember uh, Reverend Kenneth Offlin, uh, who was at Quinn Chapel that we worked with last year uh, with Quinn, uh, has now uh, been uh, the presiding elder of the Bluegrass District. I'm not sure it's a promotion. I think it's just more responsibility with uh, the same pay. Um, but he's no longer pastoring Quinn, but is doing all these other things. But he's the speaker. 
and you're welcome to come to that service. That is next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and you are welcome there. Uh, finally, we had a wonderful discussion about the Wednesday night meal program and have decided to keep its continuance because of the fellowship and the deep connections that we foster there. We want you to be a part of that experience. Even if you have been a part of it for a long time, we need you and other new people to sign up for it uh, so that we can uh, manage our food supply. And there's a sign-up sheet on the table as you leave to the right. Uh, Logan, I think you're going to be out there. Logan in the red sweater, wave. Logan, Logan. kind of caught in all the choir robes there. He is not in the choir, though he could be if he wanted to be. Uh, but Logan, one of our deacons, will be at that table. And go by and place your name for this week um, or in a standing reservation for all weeks um, or being aware to go to that table when you think you may be able to join us, which we hope you can, and letting us know and prepare for you. Am I forgetting anything else? Um, since it's been a day of TV shows, this takes you way back. Hill Street Blues. Be careful out there. <laughs> Bow now for the benediction. Now to the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the great power at work at us. In the name of God the Creator, the God who is forming and redeeming, the God who is sustaining and protecting and surrounding. All in love. Amen. Thank you.